I'm Stephen Mansfield, and this is your 15. The question for our 15 minutes together today is, how do you use the Bible? Now, we did an earlier segment where we talked about what is the Bible. I hope you've seen it. But this segment is about how do you use the Bible? How do you, how do you work with it? What's it meant to be? Well, obviously, there are, there are a number of things that, that, that the Bible is good for, and I want to give you seven. Uh, first of all, you read the Bible. Now, that sounds simplistic, but the Bible is a book. It's meant to be read, and you want to read it every day. You want to read it systematically, and you want to read it so as to understand the story. So the, the foundational discipline, the beginning of engaging the Bible, is simply to read it. And uh, this, this is an important part of your spiritual life and your spiritual disciplines. Uh, just simply reading the Bible allows it to make the deposit in your life uh, that, that we want it to make. Remember, the words of the Bible are not just natural information. They are filled with the Spirit of God. Jesus said, John 6, 63, the words I've given you are spirit and life. So we want you to read it constantly. And, and one of the things we want you to read it for is that you will understand, again, the story, but you'll also understand the lives of the people. Uh, to be a Christian, to be radically devoted to God and radically devoted to Jesus, you need to be reading the Gospels, the first four books of the New Testament. Uh, this is where the life of Jesus is described. This is where his, his birth, his incarnation, his teachings, his relationships with his family, uh, his crucifixion, all of those things are described. So obviously you need to be reading that. You need to be reading the, uh, the life of Paul and, and just reading it like you would read a book. Now you're gonna have a different experience as you read it. I mean, you'll be reading it like you read Shakespeare or the newspaper, um, but the words will begin to form differently in your mind. You'll sense a different spirit about what you're reading. And so be sure you commit yourself simply to read it. A couple quick things about that. I recommend strongly that you read every day in the Old Testament, the first 39 books, the New Testament, the last 27 books, and also that you read some from the Psalms and some from the Proverbs every day. That will really sustain a vital spiritual life. So reading, just simply reading it, uh, just enjoying the read is the beginning level. Uh, the second level though, and this is where you really begin to access the power of the Bible, is that you meditate on it. The Bible tells us repeatedly to meditate on the words. Paul says, contemplate what I've said. Jesus urges us to think about what he has said. There's another level. Now, now you know this because you read other books and, and even, like I say, Shakespeare or the newspaper paper or your favorite author. Uh, you stop, you look up, you think about the words, you recite them to your friends, you, you think about them as you lay in bed at night. Uh, the words live in you to an extent. Well, how much more the words of the Bible? Biblical meditation, by the way, is not like meditation as it's taught in some other religions. We're not trying to blank ourselves. We're not trying to escape ourselves. We're not trying to turn off our minds. Instead, the, the Greek word for meditation in the Bible comes from an interesting uh, image. Uh, it comes from the thing that cows do. Uh, cows have a number of stomachs. I believe there are four of them. And they will eat their food, swallow it, and then, well, it's gross, I know, but vomit it back up into their mouths and chew it more. Now, as gross as that is, uh, this is exactly what the Greek word for meditation means. You digest, you take it in, and then you bring it back up. 
In other words, meditation is cycling the words over and over. Not a mantra, not a chant. We're not, we're not talking about those kinds of things. We're talking about thinking the words. We're talking about thinking them over and over and over again in our minds. Taking a passage, all who live godly in Christ Jesus, that, that passage that I've quoted before. Uh, other passages, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You see, those words have an informational level, but they also have a spiritual deposit level. And, and as we think about them, as we meditate on them, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And I think about them and I let them cycle in me like that cow cycling his cud. It begins to change things inside of us. It begins to change our minds. We begin to have faith in those words we didn't have before. And the Spirit of God is able to make a deposit in our soul. So you want to read the Bible, then you also want to meditate on the Bible. The third thing you want to do is to study the Bible. Now, I hope that you'll have pastors or, or leaders who will teach you about this, and we in future episodes will teach about this as well in this 15 series. But studying the Bible is important. Uh, you know, you're reading the Bible in whatever is your native language. I know that people will be watching this from all over the world. Uh, some will be reading this, uh, watching this, and maybe it's subtitled in Mandarin, uh, some in Spanish. Uh, and so th those are the versions of the Bible you might be reading. But whatever language that you're using, remember the Bible wasn't written in that language. Uh, I'm speaking English now. The Bible wasn't written in English. It was written in Greek, the New Testament, in Hebrew, the Old Testament, a little bit of a language called Aramaic mixed in. And so sometimes we want to use Bible dictionaries, computer programs that help us study the Bible to dig in a little bit and find out what the words mean and what was really happening at the time and what was the story behind what we have in the words. You want to study the Bible. You want to analyze the sentences a little bit. You want to look at what was being said to the people in the first century or the eighth century or whenever the words apply. Uh, I, I want to just give a little plug for understanding the languages just a little bit. I'm not saying we have to master them, but, but just knowing them a little bit. Uh, for example, uh, I would say in English that I love my wife, I love my God, and I love the hot dog I'm going to have for lunch today, and I love my computer that's sitting here to my right off camera. Well, in Greek, those would all be different words for love. In English, I just use the word love and it means all the same thing. But in Greek, those are different words. And you see that we, Greek is a more poetic, more expressive language. So we need sometimes to study the Bible to understand the history and to understand more detailed what's been said and, and what great Christian teachers of old have said. But we also need to understand the language of the Bible because it brings such richness. And this is not hard to do. There are computer programs, there are books, there are volumes that help us do this. So give yourself to studying the Bible. Next, we need to speak the Bible. There's a great scripture, Joshua 1.8, says this word of God, this book of the law, it says, should never depart out of your mouth, but you should meditate in it day and night to observe, to do according to all that is written therein. Then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. What's the beginning of that verse? This word, this book, this Bible, this word, book of the law should never leave your mouth. 
You want to develop the habit of speaking the words that have become important to you from the Bible. Uh, you, you, you want to have them as a guide. You want to have them spoken out with your family, with your friends. Uh, you want to create a culture around you in which quoting a scripture is not some weird thing, but it's, but it's part of life. I was having a conversation. I work in politics quite a bit, and I was having a conversation the other day with a friend, and he, he and I got just a little bit critical, and then I said, well, you know, scripture says don't, don't be critical, don't, don't speak ill of the leader of your people. That's the literal uh, wording. Don't speak ill of the leader of your people. And we were both corrected and we went on. It wasn't a big moment of rebuke, but speaking the scriptures, speaking them with faith, speaking them as a, uh, as a, as a guide to behavior. This is very, very important. And, and by the way, there are sections of scripture that you can even speak to people you love, speak over your children, speak to your spouse. We'll talk more of that, about that in future episodes, but speaking the words of the Bible are very critical. You want to pray the words of the Bible. When you read the Bible, you find out what it is God wants to do. And I have found, as the more I know the words of the scriptures, the more I understand the Bible, uh, the more I understand what God intends for me and for myself and for nations and people groups, the more I begin to, pr my prayers become about little phrases from scripture. For example, I'll give you a little insight into how, to, how I pray for my children. I'll ask the, the Lord to fill them with his spirit. I'll ask them to put a hedge around them, a hedge of protection. This is a specific Old Testament reference. I'll ask them to cause the word of Christ to indwell them richly. I'll ask that they'll have victory over every enemy of their soul. Again, a New Testament passage. Uh, I'll, I'll ask that they'll be prosperous and successful in whatever they put their hands to. I'll ask that they will please God by the way they live. You, you see what I'm saying? I, all these are scriptures. and I, I will just say these out loud while I'm driving in my car or in my prayer time in my office. Scripture should shape our prayers. When you see a promise in the Bible of something God wants to do, pray it. Pray it for others. And this is how our, our prayers align with His will. You also want to obey the Bible. Now, let's be very, very clear, and this is important, and we, we don't want to shy away from this truth, that the Bible contains story and poetry and life and beauty, beauty. And even in an Old Testament book called Song of Solomon, language that lovers use with each other. I, I occasionally will quote the language of Song of Solomon to my wife, and it's wonderful. Um, but the Bible also contains God's commandments. Let's be clear that God gives us his standards in the Bible, and we want to obey it. You know, obedience is not bondage, it's not slavery, it's not, uh, it's not taking our will from us. Uh, obedience to God is understanding what we're made to be. It's simply, you know, it, it would be like a, a, a friend of mine uh, telling me how to use my computer better and saying, oh, don't do that. That will just cause problems. Do this. Well, now I know how the computer is intended to work. Well, the same thing is true of us. I'm not intended to commit adultery to uh, have intercourse with somebody else's wife. I'm not intended to be drunk all the time. I'm not intended to steal. You, you see, I'm not designed for that. Um, I'm not, there are many things I'm not made for that we are, we are not made for. And so God commands us to do the things we are supposed to do and cautions us about the things we're not supposed to do. Uh, sin, which is the word for what God tells us not to do, is... Uh, really, another way of understanding that is the stuff you're not designed for. You want to mess up your life? Commit adultery. You want to mess up your life? Steal things. Murder people. 
Uh, give yourself to drunkenness and drugs. Give yourself to strife and, 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 and factions and divisions with other people. You, you understand what I'm saying. Speak harsh words. Go around cussing a lot and being a harsh, condemning person. That will create a life of hell, a life of turmoil, a life apart from what God has ordained. So as you read the Bible, you want to pay attention to what we are commanded. Now, there are 10 commandments in the Old Testament. You may know that language. Um, and those are important for us to know. But those aren't God's only commandments. Oh, no. In the Bible, God tells us who we should marry and who we should not in the sense that we, you know, obviously shouldn't marry our father's wife or our sister. You understand what I mean. God tells us how we ought to live. Uh, God tells us many, many, many things. And some of those commandments are, were for an Old Testament people at a certain time, but, but most of those commandments live today and they're wonderfully liberating. They set the boundaries that we need. So as you read the Bible, you want to obey. And then the, the final one, the seventh one is, you want to use the Bible as the language of worship. I love speaking the words that the Holy Spirit has given us in Scripture back to God as a form of worship. You are the only wise God, eternal, immortal, invisible. You are awesome. You are the ancient of days. How I love you, O God. You have called me out of darkness, translated me from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of your dear son. Do you see what I'm doing? I could break into worship right now just because these words are so powerful and they, they give us the language of worship. And that, by the way, is something I want to make sure that you understand. We'll do future episodes on this. But worship is not just something you do uh, in church. Worship is not just something you do formally whenever your church meets. Your church might meet midweek or maybe you don't have a church. But, but worship of God is something he delights in, something he requires. Um, and, and it ought to be something that you do in all of your life. And so as you, in the same way that you're going to have a relationship, so to speak, with the Bible, in the same way that you're going to worship, uh, I'm sorry, read the Bible and, and come into a life in the Bible, uh, we, want, we want to see you develop a life of worship. And it should be something that you do on your own. Something, you know, when I first became a Christian, I took secular tunes and put Christian uh, Bible lyrics to them because it was all I knew. I didn't know Christian hymns. I, I wasn't raised as a Christian. So, but still I worshiped God with the tune of Stairway to Heaven or whatever rock and roll song was great at the time. And I learned the language of Scripture in worshiping God. So just to review, you want to read the Bible. You want to meditate on the Bible like the cow chewing his cud. You want to study it, have books, dig in, have notebook and pen, study it. You, you want to speak it. You want to memorize it so that you can speak it. Speak it with faith. Speak it as a blessing for others. Uh, energize it, so to speak, in your life through speaking it out loud. We'll talk about more, more about that down the road. You want to pray it. Let the language of the Bible shape your prayer life. You'll find that happening almost naturally as you read the Bible and engage the Lord. You want to be sure to obey it. Whatever it commands you, you want to do. And then finally, you want it to give you your language of worship. And that is your 15.